welcome again to the Christian Arts and Entertainment Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Newsom, here again with my wife, Deanna, and we are here on this last episode of 2020. Thank you all for your support, for listening on your favorite podcast app, or for watching on YouTube, and for subscribing, and uh, all that you do. Uh, hope that you will continue to follow us next year as we begin a new season sometime uh, in January, probably towards the end of January. Uh, today being the last episode in just a few days before Christmas, we want to do something special. So today we are going to talk about some Christmas carol lyrics. We're going to uh, talk about some lyrics that may have lost their meaning to a modern audience. So if you are over 40, you most likely know most of what we're going to say. If you're under 30, there's a chance you might not know any of this. If you're somewhere in between, who knows? You might know, you might not know. Some of this I knew, some of this I didn't know. Um, so we're going to do that. So Deanna's going to talk about our first one. Uh, we're going to just jump right in with um, Baby It's Cold Outside. And yeah. I have uh, been a critical of this even before it was popular to be critical of this. I thought it was kind of creepy and the Me Too movement kind of ruined the song. And you're not prob probably not going to hear it very often on the radio anymore. So there's this lyric in it. To, so the controversy being this lyric in it that uh, he's, he's, he's really pressuring her to stay and he convinces her to have another drink. And uh, the next thing she, she says is, say, what's in this drink? Yeah. And then the very next thing she says after that, she says, uh, how can I break this spell? So it's sort of uh, when you look at what she's saying, you kind of sort of get this idea that maybe he spiked her drink or, <laughs> or drugged her or something. But Deanna is here to defend this song because she says our modern audience doesn't get this song whatsoever. So please explain this well, song. Yes and no. Okay, so I'm going to say the song one, it's not a Christmas carol. I don't, I will never understand why it is associated with Christmas season because it's not a Christmas song at all, period, nothing. So basically, we've co-opted all winter-themed songs into Christmas right. songs. Right, and that, you know, that's going to be the, the case for several different things. Um, but this song being when it was written, you have to consider the time period in which it was written. And it was written in 1944 um, by, let me get my you know Frank Loser and it was originally performed by him and his wife at just a house party it was just kind of one of those tongue-in-cheek things they did to fill the time while people were mingling at this house party um, from the first recording it's always been controversial I mean that just appeared that's just the truth of the song it's always been controversial because people even then some didn't quite understand the the lyric but in the early to early to mid 20th century, women were proper. They were to be proper. They were to be good girls. They were to be the good girl next door. They weren't to allow themselves to enjoy anything, you know, you know as far as single women, um, you know, being of a romantic mind was no, no, can't do it. So culturally, she had to refuse all of his advances even if she had no intention of refusing yeah, his advances. I really can't stay. Wink, wink. Right, yeah, things like that. And 
the the lyric that you're specifically talking to talking about um say what's in this drink i was reading reading some things about the time and some things written about the song that was a running joke in the early 20th century hey what's in this drink the punchline was always nothing it was you know it could have been water if there was any alcohol in it it was a negligible amount of alcohol it was just a running gag at the time period and i didn't know that would have never known that. Sort Only of, people. Sort of, have you done something to make me feel like this? And it, and it's really just a justification of what just yeah. what they want to do anyway. Right. Trying to pass the that blame. Is, that is all it is. <laughs> so I mean, but you know, culturally, it just doesn't fit culturally anymore. It's one of the things, one of those phrases that has lost all meaning through time, and so therefore, it means something totally different to a listening audience now. And the original audience would have heard all of their back and forth as flirting on both sides. Yes. Like, oh, yeah, her, her, her nose, yeah, she's not saying no at all. It's totally flirtatious conversation. Right. So, I mean, that's just one of those things. I mean, we've just lost what the lyric means. It means something totally different to us now than it did then. Okay. All so, right. Love it or hate it. Yeah. Maybe don't, it's I don't outside. love it. I don't love it, but you know, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things. It's just lost its meaning. Okay. So the next song is "I Saw Three Ships," and and if you were watching on YouTube, you noticed that Deanna's got her computer over here for reference, and I have a handy dandy piece of yellow paper that I have <laughs> jotted a few notes on. That's just sort of the way we roll. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I saw three ships. Is the next one I wanted to talk about. So this. Uh, let's see, the lyric is, I saw three ships uh, come sailing in, come sailing in on Christmas morning. Christmas, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, and, and probably one of the most well-known recordings of this was done by Sting and the police, or one or the one. other. It's the same guy singing it. I don't way. know if that would be one of the most well-known recordings. It's one I sure. hear all the time. Okay. So the question is, is what, do, what do three ships have to do with Christmas? have nothing to do with Christmas. So I, I had no idea what this, I had to look into this. This is one of the ones I, I had no idea what it meant. So this has actually lost, it's not only lost meaning to a modern audience, it's lost its meaning completely. Uh, we have we have no, no meaning for this at all. Uh, so it was a it was Unless a, you, sort of a, you know study language and well even even then even the experts don't really know what the true meaning behind the song so it was, it was a uh, um, a a a magical type of uh, um, troubadour type of song okay so from the middle ages and uh, what it was originally meant to represent at the time of its writing has completely been lost to history. There are some theories as to what this is. So uh, one of the theories being that the ships are actually representing camels in the desert because uh, calling camels in the desert ships is a colloquial term that uh, people who, who are desert dwellers would use. I don't know if it's still modernly used or not, but they would use it. Um, and whether or not the original medieval English writer of this song would have known that is seriously questioned. Uh, the most likely um, meaning behind the song is that the three ships are actually the three, uh, the, the three ships 
that brought the remains or the supposed remains of the Magi to Cologne, Germany, where they, where you will find today, there is the Shrine of the Three Kings, is at the Cologne Cathedral, or also known as the Cathedral of St. Peter, in Cologne, Germany. You can go there now, you can visit the Shrine of the Three Kings. And so, the most popular theory is that this song is about the ships that brought their remains into Cologne, Germany, mm-hmm. where they would find their final resting place. So, we really don't know, so pick your favorite theory and let's call that what the song is about. Nobody really knows anymore. Okay, I've always, right. you know, it's one of those that I'm just like, what, is, what are we even singing about? I don't, I'm not sure I know. Nobody but, knows what you're singing about. Yeah. <laughs> but you can hear the, you know, at, as a musician, you can hear the madrigal type arranging and things like that in it. But, okay. Yeah. okay, so the next one is one you complain about every single year. Every time. Every time. Because it's not a Christmas song. Tell us about it. Uh, Linus and Lucy. I mean, come on. It's Linus. It is the theme for Linus and Lucy in every single Charlie Brown cartoon ever, not just the Christmas one. Um, it was actually written um, and released the year before the um, Charlie Brown Christmas was released. It was put on um, Vince Guaraldi's Jazz Impressions of a Boy Named Charlie Brown. That's the album that it first premiered on. Um, and it is it is what it is. It's a character theme. I understand why it's played at Christmas because it gained its popularity when the album version, um, the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack came out. It's on the album and it gained its popularity with the rest of the Christmas themes from that album. But... Linus and Lucy is not a Christmas song. So in the Charlie Brown cartoons, the different characters have specific musical themes. Some that of the play characters, yeah, some of the characters have themes that play while they're, they're on screen or while they're moving on screen. Yeah, that's like any movie, cartoon, TV show. You know, lots of times they write a character theme. So when Linus or Lucy are on screen in any Charlie Brown cartoon, <laughs> this song is being played. <laughs> yeah, every time. So it's not a Christmas song. It's not a Christmas song. It's just Linus and Lucy. It is that is that is for, it's their song saying, "Oh, hey, it's one of my characters so I like." We've lost the meaning and <laughs> given it new meaning that it doesn't need. Well, I mean, it's just <laughs> they just play it on the radio all the time at Christmas, and I mean, I'm just like, it's but 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 no, I could watch you know the. Great, it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, and and the song is there. Still got Linus and Lucy. So, <laughs> right. I don't know, that's just one of my little. I'm just like, why? Why have we adapted this? Why? 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 So that's just a little pet peeve. Okay, all right. Next one is Winter Wonderland, and there's a couple of things I wanted to bring out in Winter Wonderland. So, the first being the the original verse, original first verse. Uh, says um, in the meadow we can build a snowman mm-hmm. and pretend that he is Parson Brown. Right. He'll say, are you married? We'll say no man, but you can do the job when you're in town. So a lot of people really don't understand what this is talking about. So around the time when this was written, uh, not every town had a minister. Not every little settlement, every community had a minister, and, and ministers would actually travel to different towns in a region, and they would stay uh, when they, they'd travel there, and they'd stay for one or two weeks, 
and while they're in in the community they'll they'll go about and they'll do all of their all of their minister business so they'll they'll visit families that may have had funerals during the time they'll conduct any funerals that happen while they're there they'll, they'll preach uh they'll they'll visit shut-ins they'll do all of the ministerial duties in those those one or two weeks that they're there in the community and one of those things is marrying people so people who are engaged and wanting to get married will wait until the minister came into town and then he would just basically line them up. <laughs> it's like, busy, busy, busy. <laughs> yes, like, like we'll, ma- we'll marry, we're going to marry you at one, and we're going to marry you at three, we're going to marry you at five, and uh, we're going to marry you on Tuesday and marry you on Wednesday. So anybody needed to get married, he would make sure they got married while he, while he was in town. And so that's what this lyric is about. Parson is a term for a minister. So Parson Brown, Brown is his name. We'll pretend that he is Parson Brown. He will say, are you married? And we'll say no, but you can do the job while you're in town being before he leaves. Hey, you're here. Let's get this done. And then they go on and and, and the next part of the lyrics say, and uh, we'll conspire while we dream by the fire. Uh, the whole original first verse, and I'm saying that as original first verse for a reason, was it was a story of a young couple planning or daydreaming rather daydreaming about eloping they're they're walking around enjoying the winter winter scene and they're just daydreaming about eloping and and finding you know finding the parson that's going to marry him and everything and not even have their family around you know they're they're conspiring while they're sitting by the fire um the next part of winter wonderland what some people would know as the second verse was actually a completely brand new rewrite of the original verse. So I don't know who rewrote it. I don't have my computer in front of me to (laughs) Google it like you do. Uh, But somebody rewrote it to be more kitty. Childish. To be more childish. To be more appropriate for children to sing. So... Uh, we'll pretend that he is Parson Brown became. We'll pretend that he's a circus clown. That's terrifying. Yes. <laughs> uh, and so that's what the whole next verse is about. And if you if you put them side by side, you see this one's all about the couple uh, spending time together, and this one's all about children playing. So they're they're actually not related. They're complete two completely verse two completely different verses for different versions of the song. You don't always hear them both in a recording. Sometimes you hear them both in a recording. Usually, you'll hear one or the other. You'll, you might hear uh, the Parson Brown verse by itself, and they won't even sing the Circus Clown verse. Sometimes you hear the Circus Clown verse. Sometimes you don't. So, now back to the Circus Clown verse. We have uh, some things that are going on with that one, too. So the original lyric is, uh, we can build a snowman, pretend he's a circus clown. We'll have lots of fun with Mr. Snowman until the other children come around. That's the original. That's the original. Of course, this has been changed and revised partly because of people mishearing lyrics. (laughs) And so you'll hear until the other kitties come around, until the other children knock him down until the other kitties knock him down, and then my favorite, until the alligators knock him down. 
And we have no, no justification for any of these changes other than the fact that it, that it was misheard and people began to start singing it and recording it with misheard lyrics. You actually got some pretty popular recordings that, that sing alligators. Like Cindy Lauper's recording. Well, that's just ridiculous. Sings alligators. It's ridiculous, so it's more fun. And so, you know. <laughs> but completely a, just a misheard lyric, and that's all it is. Misheard lyric to a rewritten lyric for the original. Okay. So there you go. And still has nothing to do with Christmas at all. Really doesn't have anything to do with Christmas. It's just a winter song that's been co-opted for Christmas. Okay. All right, so next one. Uh, so this is Christmas, John Lennon. Not the name of the song. Okay. It's Happy Christmas, War is Over. It's okay. the name of the song. Um, so the lyric we're talking about that people might not, that, that has lost its meaning, is the children's chorus that comes in singing War is Over. Well, I mean, um, you know, when John Lennon and Yoko Ono, she is credited with writing the song also, but from everything I've read, it was mostly John Lennon, the, the original um pitch recording you know single him playing the guitar singing it was just him working on it um the main point of the song is obvious it was a protest song it had everything to do with the vietnam war um and america's participation in the vietnam war and how you know i mean if you know anything about the history of john lennon and yoko ono they protested very loudly um against the vietnam war and so that's basically what it was um the Christmas part was added to it to, you know, I mean, it was focused around a Christmas song basically to get more people to listen to it um, so that they could throw in their little protest there. And so, you know. Okay, so the, the chorus that the children are singing, war is over if you want it. Yeah. And so it's talking about the Vietnam War. We can end the war if you want to. Well, I mean, during this time period, um, let's see, I, I can't remember what year it was, but I read that John and Yoko bought a series of billboard space in several major cities through the United States. And um, it just basically displayed black and white posters that said, war is over if, if you want it. Happy Christmas, John and Yoko. Big billboards. So that's what that little chorus that they added to the song underneath, that's what it is and that's where it's from. Right, and most people under 30 would have no idea what they're singing they're just singing war is over and what are they talking about yeah well i mean you can you can kind of think about it i mean even even in the last 20 30 years um people can identify with the song with just the turmoil that has occurred in the world during that time period um but yes it was it was mostly protests for vietnam war all right, we're going to do talk about one more song in general, but before we do the other song, the last song, I got a couple of honorable mentions that just have some, uh, some strange lyrics that modern audiences may not actually know what, what they are and what they're talking about. Um, first of all, I'll be home for Christmas. Uh, not really a strange lyric, but along the same lines as, as the John Lennon song was a war song. Yes. Written for World War II soldiers by was it Bing Crosby. 
No, I have to look that up. You didn't. You put me on the spot. No, nope. I, I, didn't, I didn't look it up. Anyway, it was it was written for soldiers in World War II, just sort of as an, as an encouragement for them on the front lines, uh, because they couldn't be home. So if you know the song, uh, it, it's just daydreaming about being home. And at the end of it, uh, he says, "But only in my dreams." I think the best uh, representation I've ever seen of this is when we were in college. We had a big Christmas program. And one of the one of the vocal music majors sang this song in in period costume, packing his trunk, getting ready to go home, and right at the end, somebody comes out and hands him new orders, and and his, as he's reading his new orders, he sings that last lyric, but only in my dreams. Yeah, and so many so many people currently even can identify. And most military families would yeah. know this song. Right. Because it is still sung it's identified. identified with the military. Um, so in Jingle Bells, there is this phrase, bells on bobtails ring. It's not bells on Bob's tail. No. Bob's not the, <laughs> the name of the horse. So this is referring to the uh, a style of cutting the horse's tail or a pinning the horse's tail up. Uh, in a in a bobtail fashion, and they would they would uh, pin bells into the mane and into the tail uh, with their sleigh, but they would bob the tail this way to keep the tail from getting caught in the rigging as the horse is pulling the sleigh and spooking the horse. Right. Okay. okay. All right. So that's what that that is. Uh, sleigh ride mentions courier and ives. Yes. Tell us what Courier Knives is. They were printmakers. Explain. Well, bit. I mean, you know, you think about it, you've seen Courier and Knives photos of these wonderful winter scenes on all kinds of things. You know, I think, you know, how we associate Norman Rockwell, you know, this, you know, with just Americana and um, lots of times with Christmas and things. Courier Knives are those vintage images that you associate with Christmas so and wintertime. And, these beautiful winter scenes that you'd see with the sleighs and uh, everything's covered in snow uh, that you get on postcards, mm-hmm. uh, Christmas cards, calendars, mm-hmm. things like these are Courier and Ives prints. Right, they're just trying to put a mental image in your head. So the song says something like Courier and Ives. They're just... They're trying to get you to visualize the scene that they're it, describing. It looks like one of these these postcards. Right. All right, and the last honorable mention, the first Noel. So one of the uh, other pastors here asked me to cover this one <laughs> because a lot, of, a lot of people may not know what Noel is. Noel is by itself the French word for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they would say Joyeux Pierre, Noel. Pierre Noel. Pierre Noel, Santa Claus, Joyeux Noel, Father. Merry Christmas. Um, but the word itself, Noel, actually comes from the Latin word nasci, okay. which means to be born. So it's actually, or, or rather, birthday. 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 Okay. The so first birthday. The first birthday. If you're going to bring it all the way back through its Latin roots, it'll be the first birthday. Cool. So there you go. That's what Noel is. All right. So the last one is what child is this? And this is my favorite one. There is a um, verse in here, I believe it, it's in the second verse. It says, uh, so bring him incense, golden myrrh, come peasant king to own him. A lot of confusion about this because of the way we use the word own. It means to take possession. Uh, 
so a lot of people are thinking that this is this peasants or kings can can have Jesus for themselves. All right, but that's not what this means at all. It's completely a different meaning. We've actually lost the meaning of this word in modern English. It's, it's completely devolved into something that's no longer recognizable. So to own is not really uh, necessarily possession. It's more uh, responsibility, to take responsibility. Uh, so you, if, if you're going to own something, you are going to be responsible for that thing. Okay, so in, in older English, uh, this was actually directional. You could own down, so to speak, and be the person who is in charge and takes responsibility, or you can own up to a position of authority and thereby putting your, humbling yourself under the responsibility or under the care of somebody who is, who is over you. It still survives in our English language when we say, I'm going to own up for what I've done. I'm going to go to somebody. I'm going to uh, humble myself before them and ask forgiveness. I'm going to own up to this. So it kind of, kind of still survives. Now, just because it was directional doesn't mean it was always spoken as directional. It was understood. Okay. The direction was understood. They wouldn't have said to own up or to own down. They would just said to own. And the direction, whether it was to an authority or to take responsibility, would have been understood by context. So in this lyric, to uh, so bring him incense, gold, and myrrh, come peasant king to own him. It's not about peasants and kings owning or taking responsibility for Jesus. It's about peasants and kings alike uh, humbling themselves to Christ's authority. And so it's significant because it's not just peasants who are submitting to Jesus, but it's also kings, the ones who are people generally own up to. Those are also owning up to Jesus by humbling and submitting themselves. So that's what that lyric means. Makes it takes it just a whole level deeper in in meaning to understand what it's actually saying. Yes, in modern English, the the this usage of this word is completely lost. Uh, this way of except own, for the one except for the one instance when we would say to own up. So it's in relation to that. So to finish up this uh, our last video on our last podcast. Uh, we are actually going to sing this song. She, Deanna's going to sing, and I'm going to play, and we're going to finish this with our version of What Child Is This?
This has been the Christian Arts and Entertainment Podcast with author, musician, and worship pastor, Kevin Newsom. Thank you for joining us today, for your comments, and for subscribing. See you next time.